Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. This is episode number 344, and our guest is Charlie from Howl for Wildlife. Going back to January or February of 2022, I started seeing stuff pop up on social media and online from Howl for Wildlife. And before that time, I had never heard of them. I had no idea who they are, really what they did, who was behind them, etc. And it felt, at least to me and my limited perspective, that they somewhat popped up overnight as a voice of advocacy for hunters. And in particular, at the time, they were voicing support um, for hunters' rights and certain issues related at that time, particularly with bear hunting in states like California and Washington, um, something that we've talked about on the podcast, which was Washington spring bear season, which has unfortunately been canceled for this year. But Howell was active in that discussion and engaging hunters to voice their opinions. And I've remained curious in the months since then about Howell for Wildlife and again, who they were, what they were up to, what their goals were, etc. And so I sent out that feeler. I wanted to get the backstory on who was behind Howl for Wildlife, what role they felt they were playing for hunters, what they saw as current issues, um, the future of hunting and conservation, and much more. And so that's what we get into today. Our guest is Charlie from Howl for Wildlife. He's the founder um, and really the visionary behind the movement and the organization to this point. And I purposely didn't get to know Charlie much or get many questions answered before this podcast because that was really the whole point of this conversation was to introduce you, the listener, and even myself to Howl for Wildlife and what they are doing. So that's what we're covering today. I hope you enjoy it. As you will hear in this episode, this is much more about you and me and each of us taking our roles and not sitting back and waiting for someone or something or some organization to really represent and defend hunters' rights moving forward. And so there's a lot that you'll take away from this conversation. It is an important episode um, that I really do hope you tune into and then take action on. As always, guys, we do appreciate you tuning in. And if you have any questions for us, you can reach out at any time by email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. But right now, well, let's dive into this conversation. All right. Well, Charlie, welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. I'm, uh, I'm super excited to chat with you today, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm, uh, likewise, definitely, definitely excited. We've never spoken before. Yeah. Um, so it's always fun to, to meet a new person for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was telling you just like super briefly my context. Um, as you said, we've never spoken before. I reached out by email um, to get you on the podcast, but I'm, I feel like I'm in a position where maybe a lot of the listeners are. Um, maybe they've seen Health for Wildlife like on social media or online, but they don't know a ton about it. Or maybe this concept of what is health for wildlife is all completely brand new. And so we're, we're going to cover a lot of the background. I think, I mean, you've been on several hunting podcasts as well, right? So some of some listeners, yeah. I'm sure like the guys who really tune into podcasts uh, may have heard you, but I also know that just because I hear it from our audience of 
there's some guys who only listen to one or two podcasts and there's other guys who like, you know, just geek out and listen to everything out there. So I'm sure there's a mix of listeners that are familiar with you. Um, yeah, personally, sure. like, I've been on a, t- I've been on a ton of podcasts in the last few months. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I bet. Yeah. Which is great. It is. It's awesome. Yeah. So what, like, before we even get into howl for wildlife and what led you to start in it, what's like a little bit of your story or background that may be relevant to then eventually starting how for wildlife. So not so much the story of starting, but kind of your background really. Yeah. Um, my background, I, I grew up in Michigan. I live in California now, but I grew up in Michigan for 20 some years. I hunted all my life. My family hunted my, you know, immediate family, my house, everybody hunted. Everybody lived on my street. They seemed to hunt <laughs> to some to some extent, but I kind of grew up in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I kind of thought that for a while that that everybody hunted. You know, we'd go to northern Michigan or southern Michigan or the Upper Peninsula, and it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. And people had, you know, when they when they came back with their deer, it, we usually hunted when it was super cold. But nobody, you just got the deer out just field dress the deer out and, um, nobody would generally, nobody would skin it or anything. So you just see a bunch of deer on top of cars and trucks and trailers and everything. And it was no big deal for a while, you know? So my first memory is, is watching a chicken's head get cut off in our backyard. You know, I mean, this is, that's how I grew up and I understand mm-hmm. it's very, that's different than some people. Mm-hmm. And, and I respect that. And I understand that. And I, and I, and I think I take that when I, when I speak with other people that haven't grown up that way that have maybe only seen hunting from, I don't know, maybe a bad place or whatever, just a different place. You know, they, they haven't personalized it. They haven't associated it with an actual person that they know personally. It might be some far off celebrity or whoever. I don't know. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Not to bad talk anybody, but you know how it happens. So anyways, I eventually, I've, I've been a guide. I've been an outfitter. Um, I, uh, I, I do that kind of occasionally. I hunt a lot as a, as a hobby. Um, I'm a business owner. I, I do events. So I have an, an event based, um, we do like rock climbing and zip lining in, oh, cool. in California. Um, but there's a, there was a few bills that I got involved in just, uh, starting in 2018 that mm, it seemed like I was able to get a lot of traction, which was interesting to me. I'm like, how come I'm, it, it's like, there isn't a lot out there for people to grasp onto. Like if they want to take action, if they want to get involved in a bill, there's not a whole bunch that they can do, or they don't know about it or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. It was just amazing to me how far I was able to take some of this and i'm not a well-known person yeah and right? was that whole like call it the quote-unquote political process was that all new like you're navigating it figuring it out for me oh yeah yeah for you yeah 100 yeah, yeah i made i made some phone calls to people that i thought would know um to people that would know a little bit better you know and got some information from them and then did a couple podcasts with them and just dove into the process and it was mostly about decision makers and, and how to reach them, um, how each bill has people connected to them. And, and those are the people that need to be reached at that point in time. 
And those people, those decision makers can change as well if a bill gets pushed along. So yeah, just kind of learning that process, um, digging into digging into bills. There's, you know, I guess you're probably familiar with there's pork added into the bill or something like that, where they'll have a bill that's about, you know, paving, repaving the roads, but something will be in there that's about, I don't know, supplying money to, you know, Uganda or something, something just totally off. You're like, what is this? What does it have to do with this bill? So there was things like that. And that was actually one of them. There was a wild pig bill, which coincidentally is brought up again. So that was in 2018. It's actually been dug up again for 2022 and reintroduced. And it has language in it that has nothing to do actually with wild pigs um, and has totally different intentions. So things like that. Um, And then a year ago, January, so January 2021, there was a bill introduced to ban bear hunting in California. And um, I don't remember exactly why, but for whatever reason, it just got me fired up. And immediately, I was like, all right, we did some stuff with this pig bill in 2018. We need to, we need to do something with this. And because that's a huge, that's a huge bill. And it was a Senate bill endorsed by a Senator from San Francisco. And, um, I don't know. I just felt like this one's going to be bad for some reason. And so that's when I started kind of a grassroots push on social media to get as many people involved on this California bill, um, as many people involved across the country, not just Californians Mm -hmm. and like get the hunting industry involved and get everybody because to me it just didn't it's like well how come only californians can get involved in this that doesn't make sense you know hunting affects everybody we hunt out of state um wildlife doesn't know any boundaries and and this was an anti-hunting bill and they certainly you know they their plan of attack it's pretty clear they work in one state and if they win there they go to another state so mm-hmm. So there was a lot of reasons, um, but I just wanted to mirror, you know, what the anti-hunting orgs do and be as effective as they have been. Mm. And it's, and it's being organized. It's, it's using technology and it's being organized. And both of those, I think the hunting industry was lacking in. Mm-hmm. So that spread like wildfire. Um, and so many people got involved. From- was this all still like a kind of you personally grassroots thing or was this yeah. like, did howl exist at this point no no i was using change.org which was just a petition and um but i had it set set up to go to a lot of people use change.org but they don't realize you can actually set it up to go to decision makers and different mm-hmm. decision makers um so we did that and then we also had sort of a impromptu call campaign set up so Senator Weiner's office in San Francisco was getting a lot of calls about this mm-hmm. along with other decision makers as well. And, um, the bill ended up really, I, I think it was poorly written. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure, but it got shut down in five days, mm-hmm. like after we started this. And, um, that was huge because it didn't even really have a chance to reach committee or be talked about or anything. They just pulled the bill. And the, the hunting lobbyist here in California, he's, he's like, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've never seen anything like that. Like, 
the, the orgs, the, the typical hunting orgs didn't have time to get involved. It was, you know, it was they usually, so quick. yeah, it happened super quick, but nah, I think we had, we ended up having 27 or 28,000 people, um, reach decision makers. I don't know how many phone calls. And, and that was new. That was like a, whoa, who are all these yeah. people we're hearing so, from? Can and I camp so, on that for a minute? Yeah. So, yeah. cause one of the questions I've had, and I, I think I've voiced this on the podcast in some instances, uh, and even here, if I look at my notes, for like asking you, it's like short and sweet Do non-resident voices matter. Meaning like if this is a California bill and there's, we can talk about any state, any species or whatever, but I've wondered that myself of, I, I remember that specific issue. I remember filling out the change.org petition um, and then sending like an email and stuff like that. But part of me is like, if I do that, is that just going into the trash can? Cause I don't live in California. Like, does that matter at all? So, well, they don't, know. they don't know that you lived in California or not. Okay. Right. So there's that. Yeah. Um, and then our current action center is set up in that way. You can let them know if you live in that state, but there's nothing by default that they get. All they get is, I mean, if they wanted to look up your name and email address, which I doubt they're really doing that. I would say yeah, when you're talking like tens of thousands of people, they're not filtering each one. Yeah. 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 So um, that's part of what we've set up to get around certain um, barriers and roadblocks to reaching some of these decision makers is um, we can reach them through our platform and it doesn't matter where you live and the way so yeah so that answers that question i could i could go off talking about that but that'll be we'll probably get there but yeah i mean that answers that question does it matter um well <laughs> i think the message we're sending is important for the decision makers to to know number one and that has been um that's been proven like decision maker and what i mean decision makers these are senators or congressmen or committee members of you know that's who decision makers are um they have voiced that they really appreciate what has been in the emails that, that they've received and it's helped them actually make their decision or transform or change their decision one of the first actions we had in colorado um that was the, one of the senators said said that on the um, at the hearing, I think it was a hearing. I don't know. I don't know what you'd call it. Maybe a hearing, but at the vote, mm -hmm. right on the panel, mm -hmm. um, she expressed her appreciation for that and learning about learning more about the North American model of conservation. That's so like, that's even that like antidote is good to hear because we're in a kind of like pessimistic environment of politicians or politicians they have an agenda they're not going to change they're not going to listen to the people um type thing but mm -hmm. and there's certainly that is true in some instances in some cases or maybe of of some people or certain issues but just even like hearing alone that here's someone who's a decision maker who's involved with making a decision to do with wildlife and hunting who is I don't want to say maybe necessarily not political enough or even humble enough to then listen to people and admit like, okay, I don't know. Like I just learned something new based on hearing from all of these people. And I'm willing to have an open mind, potentially change my position or decision based on 
what is essentially our action as hunters. Like just knowing that alone, even in one antidote is encouraging to me because I feel like most people are just pretty dang pessimistic about does my voice really matter, right? So you have the the author of the bill and maybe the co-sponsors of the bill. This is actually pretty good because this this is a yeah same thing in Colorado. So you have the authors and the co-sponsors. They might be harder to change their minds because it's you know it's pride for them. They wrote it. This is their thing, yep. right? But <clears throat> they're not the ones that are passing this bill necessarily. They might be on the board. They might be a part of the board that's going to be voting on it. But they're presenting it to either a, a small committee, you know, an environmental committee, a wildlife committee or an entire house or an entire Senate, you know, which can be 50, 80, you know, it could be a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if they're doing their job, which I know some do for sure, they are looking at these bills, they're hearing these bills and they're certainly listening to their constituency. You know, if, if they're like, Hey, you know, I'm, I live in, hunting and ranch land in Colorado. And I'm hearing a lot about this, you know, I'm going to be more involved. This is how I get my votes, you know? And then if all of a sudden somebody, you know, a a decision maker who represents, you know, let's say Denver or whatnot, where more people live, or let's say Boulder, because this is a perfect example because I think she represented Boulder. Anyway, it was close to that. She was one of the co-sponsors of the bill and she emailed back to me. Now, what I mean me is like, I'm filling this out like you did. None none of these come from, none of this says, hey, this is how for wildlife or any of that. It's just, we're setting up a a, a line of communication between you and them. So I Mm -hmm. fill it out too, right? Mm -hmm. And she emailed back and said, um, I'm, I'm still concerned about mountain lions in Colorado. I'm phrasing this, you know, sort of paraphrasing this, but I'm still concerned about mountain lions in California. However, I wasn't aware of how extremely complex this issue is. And I have pulled my name from co-sponsorship and I won't be voting for this bill at this time. Something like that. Hmm. I emailed her back. And I said, thank you. Um, I'd love to talk to you about this if you had any questions. And and she emailed me back. She said, Hey, here's my staffer's information if you want to set up a time to talk. And I'm like, well, these aren't canned, these aren't canned messages. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people are getting those responses back. Um, a, because it's not a form letter and it's not coming from an organization. It's coming from Mark. Hilsing, yeah, just go fast time? and confident. Yep. You can say it however Mark you Hilsing. want. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, at gmail.com. I don't know what your email right, is, right, but yeah. you know, Mark Hilsing at gmail.com. You're sending an email with a subject line and an email body to one decision maker at a time. And the way we have it set up, you can send your own email. So we're accomplishing a couple of things. If, if you don't know who to contact, you go to our page and you see the email body there, you can erase all that and write your own. But when you push the button, you're guaranteed to be contacting the right people at that time, wherever that bill is at, at that moment in time. So we're doing Mm -hmm. that for you. If you don't know what to write, we have a library of emails surrounding this specific subject that's 
in the background that shows up when a new user, each new user comes there. So it's a, a totally a starting point. Yeah. It's a starting point, but it's a, um, but it's a, um, it's a different email and it's a different subject line. So on the decision makers end, what they're seeing is, wow, a lot of people are emailing us, which is true. And they're emailing us different stuff, which is true. Right. right? So it makes, they can't filter it. They can't, mm -hmm. it's like, wow, this is a big issue. This is a real issue here. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's how we have that set up. So, and a lot of people, because we aren't sending canned messages, they're getting back messages that aren't canned and they're getting back, you know, not all the time, but this mm -hmm. it certainly happens often. Um, so they're getting back, you know, actual messages that are relevant to what you sent, which is cool. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're opening up those, those lines of, of, of communication. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what we were, where we were going there, but I think yeah. I explained a little Can bit we, there, but yeah. You mentioned, so you mentioned a bit about the process and decision makers and mm -hmm. everything we just discussed. And um, it's helpful to remember that, you know, say this certain position, this Senator, whoever, who introduced the bill isn't the only decision maker. I feel like mm -hmm. um, from my own ignorance of the process, like that's where my mind goes, like this person introduced this bill, like let's contact their office. But as you said, that bill may have been introduced by that person. Maybe they are more entrenched on the issue. They have something at stake. As you said, they wrote the bill. Of course, they're going to fight for it. But it's getting in contact with those other decision makers, a committee or other people. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like that's, you know, what you help do is not just contact, hey, here's this bill introduced by this person. Let's contact their office. But you, you know who is going to be a decision maker on the process of that bill. Is that basically yeah. the point? Yeah. Yeah. So when you click that button, it reaches all of those decision makers individually. Okay. Not like in the same email. They're not CC'd or whatnot. It's, it's you're sending to each one. 18, 72, however many people are involved that need to be reached. That's how many emails you're sending when you, when you click the button once. Is it, uh, is this all you like figuring this out and understanding this process, looking at each different state, how bills would progress, what committees they go to, who's on those committee. I mean, that's just knowing like I'm a, my background's like in it. So I understand like automation and data and et cetera, but like having all those quote unquote rules built into the system, it takes work for sure. And I don't mean like the technical infrastructure, the, yes, that's true, but just every, like every state's different potentially different processes for different bills. Are you manually um, coordinating all of that? Yeah, I am. That's um, I mean. So after the bear bill last year, back in 2021, that's when I came up with how for wildlife. Um, and then my, my buddy, John Stallone, he had told me when in 2021, he was like, try, you know, he had told me about change.org. I mean, I knew about change.org, but he was like, I was like, is there anything? I can't remember the exact conversation, but he was just like, use change.org. So I was like, all right, I did that. And, um, so I started how for wildlife and I was like, this is going to be my this is the idea. I know it needs to be accomplished. And I studied kind of what the other orgs were doing and where I felt like as far as taking action and getting individuals to take action, it was really lacking. They just, 
they weren't providing what I felt was needed. So um, I did a pretty deep dive into software and what was out there. And there was nothing out there, certainly as a complete package that, that could do this. So I had to figure out, okay, well, how do I get that built? And then how do I get it to integrate with everything that I want to accomplish? Cause I want the website to be gamified. I want it to, I want it to be just like a whole different, a whole different level of engagement, you know, but then, <laughs> but then how do I uh, figure out this advocacy and, and how do I reach the people we need to reach and have it be randomized and just all this stuff. So, um, so that took about a year and I, I mean, it was, it came pretty fast. I mean, I went through a bunch of different companies, which was, which is a, a long story, but kind of sad, but um, which I, where I, I thought it was going to work out, but then they kind of found out what I was doing and they're like, ah, we don't know if this aligns with our ethics or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, it was just a, a big, uh, it was just heartbreaking, you know, cause I'm like, I just wanted it so bad. So finally figured something out and it's, um, I was like, wow, this is going to work. And there was a bill that came up in, in Arizona and, and John, who's now on the board, he, um, he was like, can we, can we use the platform for this Arizona bill? And I'm like, uh, maybe let's try a stress test. Yeah. Let's yeah. try it. And, um, so launch was basically January 11th when it went live and that was the first bill. And then within, I mean, honestly, it was, it was just luck of the draw when we launched because within five days there was all these bills mm -hmm. and the platform was working great. There was really no problems. I, I had no idea really what I was doing yet at all. I still don't, but, and people were just like, Holy cow, this is amazing. This feels like we're hungry for this, this, you know, we knew you were kind of working on this cause I had talked about it a little bit. I'd kind of, um, teased about it, I guess, you know, cause well, part of it was, I thought it was coming out July before that. Cause I had software that would have worked and mm -hmm. I was like, we're going to launch in July. This is great. We don't have time to build on this or whatever. So anyway, um, and people quickly realized the effectiveness of it because they started getting responses back. So they're using it and they're getting responses back and they're like, man, we've been using, you know, other ways to reach these decision makers for a long time. We've never got responses back. And yeah, this is set up completely differently and it's just easy. It's like all on one page. Here's all the actions nationwide, you know, mm -hmm. for everything that we we've been able to put up. Um, it just couldn't be any easier. Right. Um, yeah. So we launched January 11th and here it is, you know, what is, what is it? May, May 18th. Yeah. And, um, we've had tons and tons and tons of actions and people are, uh, are really receptive to it yeah. because it's, it, again, it's just, we've just made it easy and, and we're, we're building on, you know, it's more than just reaching decision makers by email. Um, when this will be something that we have all the time when I have more staff, but I can do the same thing with, with calling decision makers. Um, so you push a button and it connects you with, 
like a set of them because there could be 80. So I don't expect you to make 80 phone calls, but like if you want to make five phone calls, it'll randomly select five of them. So then if you come back, it'll select a different five, right? Mm. But it also gives you a call script about the subject. So it's like, here's talking points. Here's how this process process works. They're going to answer the phone. You say this so they know what's going on, or it might even be an answering machine. You know, if you don't want to talk to anybody, call on the weekends. And just <laughs> there leave you go, messages. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Call after hours and just right. leave messages. They they listen to them all. You know, technically they're they're supposed to read every email, every correspondence. Technically they're they're supposed to. So they have staff that do that. And if you do it in great numbers, and especially if it's all different, they will start to take notice. They're like, man, I don't this we're getting a lot of, you know, feedback on this bill, whether it's pro or, or against, you know, but that means something. You mentioned pretty early on, kind of in passing that you, know, you felt like the, the hunting groups didn't utilize technology enough. And you saw, you saw both the gap there, but I think you mentioned something about kind of how the anti-hunting groups did. Um, is some of yeah. what you're doing with Howl for Wildlife gleaned from, basically yeah. anti-hunting groups and how they organize and communicate? Yes, 100%. I mean, I don't know how effective... Um, I just know they have a more uh, engaged emotional base that mm-hmm. get involved. And you can see this when you go to commission meetings or, I mean, you know, somebody just super glued their hands to, to, to a, a Starbucks to you know, make their point on opposing milk or something like they got mm-hmm. a base that's pretty involved, <laughs> right? Involves um, a kind word to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, involved. Yeah. Not evolved. <laughs> involved. <laughs> um, so I, I know with when hound hunting was banned in California, I heard this a lot and this bothered me. I was like, what I heard was there was like five hunters that would show up to the Capitol building or wherever it was. And there'd be a ton of anti-hunters there. Like, all right, well, why aren't hunters getting involved? Is it because they don't want to be involved or is it because they haven't, they don't know how to, or they don't know what to do, or they're just, you know, they're not engaged at this level. Is somebody trying to reach out to them? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know the answers to that. So the, to go back to the hunting orgs, how I know that they've worked in the past. And this isn't, I'm not saying this negatively. It's just, they have lobby, they have their representatives and lobbyists and and whatnot who go and represent their members at these, you know, say board meetings or whatnot. (laughs) Now that I've been to these commission meetings, I'll see them. And, you know, one guy is like, I represent 23 organizations. So he's there speaking on behalf of them and there's 23 organizations and how many people are in these 23 organizations? Let's just say a hundred thousand. So I look at that and I'm like, okay, that's great. I fully support that. And we need to continue to fully support that. And that's who I'm also trying to work with because these guys understand this process a lot. But the mm-hmm. way I see it is you're telling me you have a hundred thousand people that aren't here and that haven't contacted I'm like, Okay. Well, I'm going to get the hundred thousand people involved. Yeah, yep. you're still going to do that, but now you're going to have an army behind you. Mm-hmm. It just makes more sense to me. 
Yeah. Right. And as you said, there's a lot to learn from that lobbyist, right? When it comes to oh, understanding yeah. the the process or even call it the game. Yeah. On the political side, there's a lot we can learn there. And so it's not, yeah, it shouldn't be this or that. It's like, let's do both. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they've had, they have had issues with getting their base involved. And, um, and I've heard that and that's, that's I, what's been, that's what's been told to me. So when I hear that and I can somewhat relate to this thinking of for my own sake, but I, I think there's a call it a, like a danger in thinking, um, I'm just going to throw out Rocky Mountain Up Foundation. I'm not like picking on them or talking about them exclusively, but like you can say, okay, I'm a member of Rocky Mountain Oak Foundation. I paid my $35 or whatever. Yeah. That's what I did. So you don't, right. you don't need to be active or stay engaged or whatever. Cause it's like super easy to write a check for $35 each year. Yeah. And then think that you did your part by doing that. Right. Um, so I think that like, you know, money's needed. Right. Um, yep. but it's just too easy to, to write a check and then check out if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, that's certainly not, that is definitely not it. Money is needed. These, the organizations, um, who do this work, I mean, it's a business, it's a job. People get paid. There's, mm-hmm. you still got to pay rent. You still have to pay internet fees. You still have to pay software fees. You still have to, all of it. Mm-hmm. You got to pay. If you have a lobbyist, you're paying him to do that. You know, there's a lot of, um, bill work. There's a lot of writing. There's, it's a business. Yeah. And then you look at like, again, you'll get Rocky Mountain Oak Foundation. They're not only doing political advocacy, they're doing oh, no. land acquisition. They're doing mostly. a million things, right? Yeah. And I think that's what they're mostly doing is like habitat restoration, land acquisition, moving animal, right? Right. So all of that costs an incredible amount of money. Um, I mean, I just yesterday, I haven't really started it yet, but we have our own, you know, membership thing now. Um, it doesn't, it just gives you extra. Like it doesn't prevent you, our whole platform and to you to take any action or get involved in any way, shape or form is hundred percent free. Right. And you can also win rewards on that. It's based on your points that you get. It's the gamification part. You still win stuff. That's all free. Um, but we have a, a membership plan, um, which just gives you a higher amount of discounts with our brand partners. Um, we have, you know, it gives you access to sort of better monthly and annual prizes, you know, but this is all on, it only works because like the industry has been like, wow, what you guys are, what you guys are doing is awesome. We're going to give you this stuff to use, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to help support, you know, what's going on. Um, go hunt was just like, Hey, you guys can sell our insider and explorer subscriptions for the same price that we do on your website. And whatever it is you sell through there, we're going to donate a huge chunk of that back to Howl for Wildlife. Mm. So like for you, if you're like, I'm going to buy any of the Go Hunt stuff, you're like, well, I can do it for Howl for Wildlife now. I get a Howl for Wildlife membership, which gives me access to all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I get the Go Hunt stuff and they're donating back to Howl for Wildlife all for the same price as if I just went to Go Hunt and did it. Right. And like to me, that speaks. It's like what we're doing is awesome. Then, like, if some if a company's willing to do that for us, mm-hmm. what we're doing is is really necessary and needed. Yeah. And that's where I want to. That's where I want to stay and and give even a better value for you, 
who is honestly who this whole thing is it's up to you to take part or not so it's up to you to say yeah i gave my 30 bucks a year but i need to take part in every action correct i think that's what's great is it's not it shouldn't be as a hunter someone looking to howl for wildlife or to charlie to then go fix all the problems and be the advocacy for hunters you're just you're the middleman like you're providing the platform to for individual hunters to take action effectively and properly if we don't if if you don't do it nobody else is filling it out i yeah. mean i'll I, I can fill it out and then we yeah. send, you're then one guy yeah. one email gets sent yeah. all right well that's not the way it works you know, so I'm looking at it as there's 60 to 80 million sportsmen in the United States. I want to get all of them. And then I also want to get um, a large chunk of the non-hunting public to for them to see um, the value in wildlife management, not for mm -hmm. them to become hunters, mm -hmm. but for them to see the value of wildlife management and to support that. And we try to write our actions up in a way um to where that can be understood, um, you know, by the non-hunting public as well. And we're working on that with, with, we'll have some, a lot, I guess, of, uh, education on the different issues, um, where we're, we're going to have that on the website. Can we camp on that? Like the non hunting yeah. public, not necessarily the anti, but the non hunting yeah. public who doesn't doesn't really understand wildlife management even or conservation and how that ties to hunting. I mean, it's fresh on my mind, just like a, to pull a quick story is I just got back from a bear hunt, um, this past week and was talking with, um, with a friend that, so basically my daughter's friend, um, his mom. So, you know, our kids go to school together. We've known each other for a couple of years. She knows I hunt a lot. Actually, she takes my daughter to school when I'm gone hunting a lot type of thing. Um, so she's like familiar-ish with hunting. Didn't grow up in a hunting family. Her husband doesn't hunt, nothing like that. And, you know, she asked how my trip was and I told her and she's like, so what were you hunting this time? And I was like, oh, it was a bear hunt. She was like, I didn't know you could hunt bears. I was like, yeah, yeah, we were, you know, we were bear hunting in Idaho and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so she's asking like these curious questions. She's not anti-hunting. Um, but like, what do you do with a bear and why do you hunt a bear and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, I'm happy to talk about like, you know, bear meat or a bear, like getting a bear rug or whatever. But like my head with her immediately goes to like helping her understand like population dynamics. And in, in some yeah. parts of the country and in some states, like bears aren't too overpopulated, but then there's portions of Idaho, like where we are hunting, where you know, you have to manage bear populations because in the spring, uh, they affect obviously calving and fawns and things like that. And just like dropping those, and I'm trying to like give her a, you know, a science lesson and I'm not a wildlife biologist, but trying to like plant those seeds of like helping her connect the dots on, oh, actually, if, you know, if you manage bears by hunting, it helps other wildlife, right? Like exactly. very base concepts to hunters, but to her, it was like, she has no idea, um, and so again, like that's been fresh on my mind in the last few days. And I just, it's, it's not new to me. Like I know that that exists, but it was like a very recent relevant example of how many people are out there who have an image of hunting that is like very narrow 
or may see like if she wants, you know, if I come back from a bear hunt and then she wants to see, oh, let me see the bear. And then she just sees like this trophy photo and like me and a bear. But she doesn't see any value in that and in mm-hmm. management and in wildlife mm-hmm. and how me as a hunter is actually helping wildlife management. Right. Um, I know I'm just rambling at this point, but I guess going back to what you mentioned of getting non-hunters involved, what are some of your ideas there? How do you envision that? Cause to me, that becomes a very much, uh, more of a push campaign. Like we need to go reach those people. Cause they're, you know, this woman is not going to be like sitting at the carpool in middle school. Like we were and chatting and think, I really need to like understand more about wildlife and conservation. Let me go seek out some information because I'm ignorant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Well, what you said is a perfect example. You can always start there, right? And you can reach a lot more people than than I think um, you think you can. I mean, I have, certainly. And what you said, there's a lot of people who don't know that you can hunt bear. And there's a lot of people who don't know that you can eat bear. Mm-hmm. People that know you can hunt it, but then they're like, oh, wait, you can eat it? And there's even hunters who, I mean... I'm sure they know you can eat bear, but they think that bear is not edible. Doesn't taste good, you know, which is, which is wrong. Now, of course there can be bear, you know, a a grizzly bear that's just eating dead salmon. Yeah. That's probably not going to taste pretty good. And the same thing with the black bear, if they're doing that, but most of them, I mean, man, black bear here in California, they're eating (laughs) acorns and berries. And I mean, you name it, it tastes, it's my favorite meat. It's actually my favorite meat. I'll take that over a blacktail or any other wild game. I like it. I love it, actually. Um, so, so there's that. But, but yeah, no. So there's certain um, there's a, a social media push that we will will finally get it together, and where we're basically providing the content and the infographics um, for a mass amount of people to start. Um, posting like these social media ready um, sort of pre-drafted posts, you know, surrounding, let's say bear or predator management or whatnot that people can, can use on their um, whatever social media platforms that they have. And obviously it'll be worded in a way and shown in a way that it's hopefully receptive to the non-hunting crowd, you mm-hmm. know? furthermore so this is again a a, where i've kind of taken from the anti-hunting orgs is they're they're considered a fringe group as well you know like PETA is pretty fringe to the majority of people Mm -hmm. it's it's not like they're widely accepted um but they have no issues advertising to the mainstream they do all the time and so for me i'm like well all right how come we don't advertise to the mainstream how come we don't take um the science aspect of wildlife management that are that's factual based and start there and have um you know some quick facts shown on a major billboard going into a major city to start that conversation. Hmm. Um, because that's what, you know, if, if you don't know any better 
and you've only been exposed to what PETA has shown you and you don't have any friends and you didn't grow up that were, were hunting or anything like that. And you just have only seen what's been presented to you and, and you might care, you might not care, but you sort of have something in the back of your head, like, oh yeah, you know, hunting, you know, why did we do that? They're just, oh yeah. Trophy hunting, you know, they're just mm-hmm. trophy hunters because Houston, they, they define it as we're just doing it to take pictures. Mm. We don't need to meet. Um, that's what they've said. So if they convince you of that or get you leaning to that, then that's, you know, to, to that idea, then that's your, that's all you've been exposed to. So why don't we throw something out there that makes somebody think, oh, not, not necessarily, I don't know if it's going to completely convince them, but get Mm -hmm. them thinking a little differently. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, to, to sort of challenge what they've seen in the past or heard in the past or whatnot, and then give them a place to go where they can learn more. Like, is that like really like hunters and because of the Pittman Robinson, um, act, there's been, you know, however many billions of dollars have, have right. gone to, to wildlife management. Like this happens all the time. I, I, I really don't listen to any podcasts except for Joe Rogan. Cause it's just, it's both entertainment. It's, it's whatever, but I listen to it quite a bit. Yeah. And, um, when I'm running or something and this happens a lot and Joe isn't, this is a great example. Joe is not the most informed hunter. He's a new hunter. He knows what he knows. He's hung around the guys that he's hung around, but he's, he's new. He's fairly new to it, but he's always trying to learn. And he had on, um, a professor the other day, but he brought up hunting and how, the true conservationists are really the hunters and they're really putting, you know, the money because of all the stuff that they buy the money. And the guy was like, really, that's true. Like, that's not just anecdotal. He goes, Oh no, that's true. Jamie, look it up. Yeah. (laughs) Like how many billions of dollars and what percentage of this tax, you know, on long guns and handguns and all that, um, go, go to And So he broke it down and the guy was like, wow, I didn't know that at all. You know? And, that's important, right? Like yeah. right there, we could, we could have a, a billboard. I made a few months back in January. I took something from the congressional sportsman's foundation because they have so much good data on there. And I'm just like, why are we preaching to the choir? Mm. Like, why do we keep telling hunters this stuff? Yay. Let's pat each other on the back. Right. That's not the, we're not bad. This isn't where the battle is. Like yeah. that's ammunition and we're using ammunition Look at all the ammo we got. Yeah, you got to send all right, it. <laughs> well, why don't we send it? Like, yeah. ah, it's crazy to me. So, so I made just a did something on my phone where I took one of their infographics and put this Hall for Wildlife thing, and then got a picture of a billboard in San Francisco and just replaced it. And I'm like, imagine this. What would the conversation be? You know, yeah. this is going to take money, but money isn't an issue. In the hunting industry, money is not an issue. It is a multi-billion dollar industry. But can we take some of it and point it, you know, in this direction? How do we get that swing vote? I really think it's I really think it's possible. Yeah. Um so, so if we can get 10% of that swing vote, which let's say that's what Husis and PETA gets, you know, there's basically 10% that are pro-hunting, 10% that are that are against hunting, and then you have the 80% who were just like, yeah, the massive right? middle. Yep. But the more of them that we switch, the easier our lives are going to be with um, 
with persuading these decision makers to vote um, to be pro to be pro wildlife, actually, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think anti hunting is is anti wildlife. Yeah, so, that's a good way to put it. Um, so that's just going to make it easier for us. But you know, I feel like we've been not trying to make it easy or for us. You know, so this is a different way to do it. Yeah. So if we, because anytime people see an organization, which we've talked about, obviously how wildlife is, but we've talked about how it's different from others um, in the industry. But you mentioned membership. I know there's like a donate thing. When so money that comes to how wildlife obviously goes to operations, and then do you see that that outreach that you just mentioned, literally maybe a billboard or something similar? But is that where you see? using howl funds to do is that type of work yeah that's that's what i would love to do (laughs) yeah Yeah. absolutely um i think once we when when this gets built up to where we have that money that's yeah like everything we you know there's so much ground that's covered here that people are already doing and i'm looking for how do we go somewhere else you know where where just like what we're talking about nobody's doing that so mm-hmm. that's where I want, that's where I want the money to be spent. Like I, I want that to be our campaign. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to take away from anybody else. Um, and like, oh, we're just going to do it better or whatever. No, like there's, there's a lot of land out there, mm-hmm. um, for, for us to, to do work in, in a different, in a different manner. I could see that working well in a very, uh, like call it a project base, like almost think of like a Kickstarter, right? Of like, hey, how far wildlife wants to coordinate this billboard. Here's what it's going to say. Here's what it's going to look like. Here's where it's going to run. Here's how long it's going to run. Here's how much that costs. Like, go fund it, right? So they yep. people are literally knowing, yeah, this is what we want to do. Like very specifically, time frame, yep, messaging placement, etc. This is what's going to cost to make it happen. Boom, donate to make that happen. Like very specifically. I am learning a lot um, about. I've I've never been in the nonprofit sector or anything, which is it's it's really the same as a business. It's just your, according to the IRS, your your mission is is to do you know good for the the community or whatever it is. It's 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 a business. It, mm-hmm. It's it's still the same thing. It's just if you do certain things and you say certain things a certain way, then you can be tax exempt or whatever else. But it, let's just make that clear. It is a business. Um, but we just, one thing I'm really proud of is we, um, Blood Origins has this, uh, this project going, which is exactly what you're saying, where it's with the working with the Arkansas. Fish and Wildlife Commission might be Fish and Game Commission. I don't know which one they call it, Fish and Game or Fish and Wildlife. Where he, ba- Robbie, went to them and said, "Hey, what projects are you guys working on that you're not getting funded? You're not getting funded from Pittman Robinson or anything, you know?" And and they said, "Well, we are, you know, expanding our bear season because that's been Arkansas used to be known as the bear state, and then numbers were really bad, and now they're." It's, it's really rebound, rebounding and whatnot. And we're going to expand our bear season and we want to track, um, we, 
you know, 25 bear collar them and do research on them and all that, but we don't have the funding for that. So blood organizers like, all right, I'm going to set up a specific fundraiser that funds that. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, so basically what it is, is you can go to the blood origin site and set up a team or you can do it individually or whatever else and raise a bunch of money that goes specifically to this project. So I was like, all right, I think we can do this. So we started the Halfer wildlife team and we have like all kinds of people join us and whatnot. And we're absolutely just destroying everybody else. <laughs> and to me, I'm like, Dude, we're a new organization and we're honestly raising at least, at least half of the total amount of funding for this entire project. Um, That's cool. So I think we're at like $30,000 right now. And like the next best team is, I mean, I'm not, I'm just proud of it. They're at like $5,000. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm like, holy cow. Okay. Well, people are, people want to be engaged. Um, people like projects like that. They want to see where their money's going. And, um, and they believe in, they believe in us. You know, so I'm proud of that. You know, that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. I think to be able to like, at the end of the day, how for wildlife is going to be the majority funder, um, for this bear project, you know, and then the winners, they get to go, um, either there's two options. You can go in the summer with the Arkansas wildlife biologists and collar these bears and like do that project with them or in the winter, go into a bear den and, um, conduct research on a, on a sow with cubs and, you know, take measurements and all the stuff that they need to do for that, for that research project. And Hmm. the winners can be, are going to be there along with that. So I get to be there, you know, with that. And I'm like, wow, well, this is cool. Yeah. Um, so no, to your point, you know, that's a, um, that's definitely a good project and a, and a, yeah, that's certainly something we can do with, um, uh, you know, with sort of the mainstream marketing campaigns that, that I'd like to do someday for sure. Yeah, that's cool. So we've, we've covered a lot of ground. I, you know, there's going to be listeners who are still like trying to piece together what exactly this is, how it works, get them to the website. Can you just kind of walk us through as we wrap up this conversation, someone goes to the website, what are they going to see? Like basically give them what to expect. Like, Hey, hop over the website. Here's these different sections. Here's the action center. This is what this means. Like this is the best way to get involved. I've browsed it myself. It's pretty easy to use, but I just want to, you know, give guys some context so that they can, they really a understand how for wildlife better, but B can kind of go to that site with some confidence and begin to like really look and, and take action. Yeah. Um, exactly. So it's, it's, it's all about taking action. Um, you go to the website, there's a button at the top that says take action. When you click that, it's going to go to one page that has a, a series of clickable pictures with text underneath the picture or on the picture, depends on, you know, whatever, but it'll, it'll say, you know, New York fur band, Washington bear, California pig. You click on that. That's all the information about the bill that you would ever need some of them even have videos attached or articles attached. Um, but at the bottom is where you add your name, 
your first name, your last name, your email address, and there's a button that you click. And if you want to make it super fast and super easy, there's already a, a, a pre-written email in there for you. So you just literally go there and click the button. So that whole process would take, like if you type in our website, howforwildlife.org, take actions at the top, uh, here's an action, I'm going to add my name, last name, email address, click the button. I don't know if that's even going to take 30 seconds from writing in the URL to, to sending off the emails. Um, you know, and then you know, I guess it'll take a little bit longer if you want to write your own email or, you know, but, but all the research, so links to the bill, you know, who it's going to all that, that's all included. Um, sort of the persuasive argument on why you should take action is, is included. And a lot of this, you know, so that's it. Yeah. And then, you know, you can join Howl for Wildlife for free, which basically means you can then take advantage of the rewards and um, you'll get emails from us on new actions. Um, there's committee mean, meetings that you can take part in, which is basically a part of the calendar section. So we'll have events going on where you can be trained to understand, hey, there's this committee meeting coming up on the 19th, on the 16th. Um, we're going to host this meeting that tells you all about what's going to happen at the meeting, how you can be involved. Um, if you want to publicly speak at this meeting, whether on zoom or in person, like all those directions are provided. And here's also some things to say, you know, and so we have meetings surrounding that. And then once the meeting comes, boom, you're ready to show up actually at that meeting. So since January, we've had over 700 hunters be involved either in person or in Zoom and speak at commission awesome. meetings um, um, just in a couple of states. So that's new. Yeah. So getting people involved at that level has been totally new. We didn't even talk about that. Um, <clears throat> that builds a relationship with your commission, you know, whoever, whoever it is that you're meeting with, and it gets you emotionally involved as well. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, you know, I can, I can speak, mm -hmm. I can do these things. Mm -hmm. um, and it works. And then you get to meet fellow hunters and you get to meet this. You just understand the whole process. So now you're, you know, it's not, it's not that big of a, um, of an obstacle in front of you anymore. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the website just look for take action. Yeah. It's cool. And, just even browsing undertake action, like seeing some of those issues that you just talked about, but there's even one in here, which is sending a thank you based on the decision of the California Fish and Game Commission. Um, yeah, taking down that. So, like, even that of like being vocal, essentially winning that battle, but then also following up and sending a thank you. I love that. It's powerful, and they, you know, um, sending a thank you is something I would eventually love to have figured out on all of these bills where. Um, it's just going to take some time to, to make it, uh, efficient. Mm -hmm. Cause like I said, I'm kind of, as far as these actions go, I'm, I'm doing all this myself. I just did the, there's a New York, um, trapping ban that I put up today. I've been working on that since it takes me about two and a half hours for each, for each action. And that's, if I have, you know, that's to get it set up on the advocacy end build the page for that. It's going to go on, on this site and then make it live. Um, that's not including the content. So mm -hmm. that has over 50 emails preloaded into it. Mm 
um, and a bunch of different subject lines and all that. So what I'm doing is partnering with, so that one was provided by fur takers of America. So I'm like, Hey, I don't really know much about trapping, but you guys do. Mm -hmm. And you probably need help because trapping and, you know, trappers is like low on the totem pole as far as popularity. Right. So they provide us with the content and then we try to get hunters of all types to support hunters of all types. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's, that's like what's super important. So we're not like species specific or anything. It's, it's, um, you know, as long as it's sound hunting practices and, um, and is good for, for wildlife conservation, then everybody needs to be behind that. So yeah, listeners go do that. Uh, we talked about everything undertake action kind of at the top of the site next to that. It says join the pack. Uh, and again, this isn't like the paid membership or anything. This is basically uh, getting your information in the system so that you can continue to receive updates on new issues. Um, so you don't have to keep coming back and say, take action and see if there's this new issue. Like you just mentioned putting one up today, but you can actually receive updates on issues uh, that you can take action on in the future as they come about. So anything like, and we I feel like we've covered the bases, not obviously answered every question or talked about everything, but um it's been a good introduction as I said up front for me personally to understand what how for wildlife is, uh, what your vision is. Um, I'm excited, man. Uh, anything else though, before I let you go that you want to make sure and leave, um, the listeners with. No, I think that's it. Um, most of the, the content is it starts on Instagram. So you can follow us on Instagram. Um, it gets, it gets shared to, Twitter and Facebook, but it's all originates on Instagram. That's how underscore org. So, you know, videos, content, stuff like that, that we're doing, you're probably going to see it there first. And then, and then we'll, you know, new actions and anything that's relevant to how for wildlife that gets emailed to you. Um, no, that's it. I think, you know, since January we have, I think now it's over 750,000 actions taken through our through our platform which is insane that is which is really that means a lot like that tells me that tells me something <laughs> like not even you know once we actually get big we can engage millions of people yeah you know because we've made it that easy because we're not big and when we've been pretty successful with engaging who we can reach so far that's why these podcasts are important that's why you know I'll do as many as I can because each time new people hear about it. So awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. I, I really do appreciate it. It's been great to, uh, to learn from you even honestly, it's been, uh, it's been encouraging <laughs> to know that like taking action does matter. Uh, like I said, in the past I've done things like fill out those change.org petitions. I've emailed people on issues that maybe aren't in my state and I've literally just been left wondering like hopefully that mattered hopefully that was helpful yeah uh, and i'm more encouraged now that it is and then i'm also encouraged that there's even easier ways to do it so thank you yeah well you got to think about the dollars too just real quick because we got involved in a british columbia issue and you know i may or may not hunt there but the hunters that do go there if, if they want to get rid of moose hunting and caribou hunting what's the 
economic impact of 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 that. And for a lot of states, they make most of their most of their hunting dollars come in from non-resident. Mm-hmm. So that's super important. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, if you're out of state, it you know, please get involved in any state's actions. You number one, it makes sense, but on a variety, but on a variety of levels, it's not just because, well, I believe in this. No, there's, it makes sense for them in that state as well. Fiscal impact to that. It's huge. Yeah. Great. Well, listeners look for links in the show description for both the website uh, and the Instagram and other social media information from how for wildlife. Um, Charlie, I'm assuming if they're on the website, maybe if they have questions, there's going to be a contact button. They can reach out to you guys as well. There is. And I just, I just made that better. Yeah. But yeah, there is. Perfect. (laughs) There's, there's going to be some, some better improvements coming to that. I've just been trying to throw stuff up there as fast as I can, but there'll be a cool member portal and all that good stuff to help organize some of the stuff a little better, but yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for the time today. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Well, that is a wrap on this conversation, but don't let it be the end of the action that you take personally as a hunter. I feel whether it's with Howl for Wildlife and the resources and opportunities they provide or in other ways, it's important for each of us individually as hunters to play our part, to represent hunting well, and to take action where needed. And so that's what I want to leave you with. As always, guys, if you haven't yet hit that subscribe or follow button, please do that so that you receive future episodes automatically, and we'll talk to you soon.